There are 16 spots in the playoffs and just one track left. Well, not just any track. Daytona, a last chance to keep playoff hopes alive. It's time to bring your friends and family to watch the drama unfold up close and in person. NASCAR comes to Daytona International Speedway, August 27th and 28th. Tickets start at just $49. Get yours at DaytonaInternationalSpeedway.com. Hello, everyone. I'm Charles Edmond. Glad you can join us as we continue our preparation for the 2021 college football season. Talking with the movers and shakers and I tell you what, it's going to be a lot of movement in terms of SWAC television. A lot of games on the ESPN family of networks. And one guy will be a part of it all. will be in the mix, as you will. Uh, Jay Walker of ESPN will be working with Tiffany Green. Uh, getting ready for Miami and Jackson State and FAMU. A huge game there. He'll be doing two all-corn games. The SWAC MEAC Challenge in Atlanta. And the Thursday night UAPB game that was recently changed to a Thursday night. And, and their first game as a member of the Western Division, will be against the division champs, UAPB. So a lot to unpack there, and Jay Walker helping us out with the unpacking. Jay Walker joining us. We appreciate you coming on. Oh, man, what's going on? Always good to talk to you. And you know what? You said it right. I mean, you talk about you want to talk to the movers and shakers. I think movement has been the key term when you talk about the SWAC this season. But the realignment with the new two two schools from Florida moving into the conference, Alcorn moving over to the West in that game they have to start out against the defending SWAC West champs. Uh, that, that's a big contest there. We're going to see if they show any signs of rust. That's almost a setup game. Think about <laughs> it. If they show any signs of rust, Pine Bluff is going to take advantage of it. You know that because one thing we know about Doc Gamble's squad is they can score some points. That, that's definitely true. And you talk about a team that no one really talked about in the spring. You talk about UAPB. Cedric Thomas was the coach there a couple of years ago. He left. Doc Gamble takes over. And, of course, I knew Doc Gamble because he was an assistant at Alcorn under Jay Hobson's staff. So I talked mm-hmm. with him for, for, for a bit there. Very quiet, low-key guy. But, and no one talked about UAPB in the, in the spring. And yet here they are, a big win you know, over Southern. And they, they beat Grambling. And that kind of set them off, didn't it? Yeah, it did. You know, and I, I had to apologize to Doc Gamble because – for years, I've been coming to the media day for, you know, the past 10 years, right? And for Pine Bluff, it was always, oh, well, watch, we got something for you. I mean, even when Cedric was there, was it? Oh, you watch, we're getting better, we're getting better. And I thought they actually got better. I said, you know what, they got better. All right, Coach Thornton left, and now, you know, they're going to go back to kind of waiting another four or five years. But they did not. You know, Pine Bluff, a school that I thought had to compete for a championship once every three or four years, back-to-back years, they were competitive in that SWAC West, and they don't show any signs of slowing down. So I think uh, they, not only did people not take them seriously, they told us they were going to be pretty good. We just didn't listen to them. <laughs> nope. Give them credit. Hats off. Yeah, no, nobody listened, and yet they everybody believed in Pine Bluff. No one believed outside of Pine Bluff, Arkansas, but the most important folks, obviously, the people there in Pine Bluff, too. And they got it done. Two two big wins. And now, how about this? How about this, Charles? The game that got it. That's why all corn folks got to be careful because it was the first game of the season when they knocked off Southern, set the momentum for the spring. Yeah. So, so they're gonna come there prepared, ready to go. If if you talk about all corn thinking, oh, we're all corn, we're just gonna beat them. With they can't beat us. Look out. That's that's a watch out game right there. We're talking with Jay Walker of ESPN, getting ready for the 2021 
of football, fall football season. And speaking of that, I am just so happy that we're doing this. So, so, well, let's hope that we can get through it. Let's hope we can start. Let's hope there won't be interruptions. The commissioner, Dr. Charles McClellan, in college football brass has reminded us that this year is going to be different. There's not going to be re, um, rescheduling of games. There's going to be forfeiture of games if things don't go the right way. Uh, you, you think he got everybody's attention? Did he get Jay Walker's attention? Uh, he's had my attention. <laughs> you know, I, I, I tell everybody, get, 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 get the shots. I'm, I'm a big proponent for it. Get the shots. I mean, if we want to live life the normal, particularly college football fans, and we know how passionate we are, if you really support your school, then don't come into that stadium if you haven't had your shots. Now, I think all, every coach would tell you that. They, they, they want that. we got to get this under control. Too much at stake, not only for the financial aspect of it, but for these young men's lives. I mean, you're taking away young college athletes' lives. You only get four years to play this. and are not giving out any more years. So we need to help out and do all we can as a society. What are your thoughts on what you're seeing so far in terms of, uh, you know, the amount of cases going up? And, like, here we go again. It's, it's it's scary. I mean, it is scary, you know, having been vaccinated, but they're saying they may not be enough. But if you are vaccinated, then you can reduce the numbers by a lot. So, I mean, you know, if you believe in the science, and I believe in the science all day, then we know what we have to do. Well, speaking of knowing what they have to do, what as you look at Alcorn, you talk with Fred McNair, you talk with Felix Harper, the Braves are in the West. It's been a couple of years since we played. You're a former player, rest versus rust. Folks are telling me, man, the Braves are going to be rusty. It's going to take them a while to get it to get it going. What are your thoughts I, on that? I, I agree. I mean, you, you can't, and every coach will tell you, every player, you know, a scrimmage is a scrimmage. You can't simulate game action. And having gone that long without some game action, they're going to have to prove it. And, you know, it's been a while, but the, the problem is you got other teams that played. I mean, the spring season seems like it was just yesterday. Yeah. It was pretty quick. So if they can ride to momentum, and they have to – all course got to slow down the momentum of those teams that have played. So, you know, I think that's going to be the challenge for them to do that. Southern, you know, looked pretty good in the spring. Arkansas Pine Bluff did. Uh, Prairie View was looking pretty good. Grambling looked bad, but now they got a quick opportunity, a quick turnaround, where it's not like they have to come off the worst season in school history and wait a whole calendar year. They got a chance to try and get back right now. So they're going to try and turn the negative to a positive. So there'll be some very interesting storylines that's going to play out on the field. As, as you look at Alcorn, you look at what Coach Fred McNair has done. Felix Harper set the conference on fire a couple of years ago, coming in against McNeese, and we all know what happened after that. You got LaCharles Pringle, and you, you've got Nico Duffy, and then the defense, we lost some people on the back end, obviously. How do you see Alcorn and, and, and the way they set up? I think losing losing the safety, cold, that's a big one. Can't underestimate that because one thing we've known about Alcorn in those trenches, they're going to be strong. Defensive line, they're going to be active and get at it. When you've got a D-line that's aggressive, your backside has to be really strong. And I think that's the biggest thing that, that I worry about. But I think, you know, when we say the cone going to be the cone, you know, they're going to have a trigger man's going to do what he does in Harper. They're going to keep running backs. You know, one thing about it, they're going to keep running backs. They're going to be the best in the conference, and there's no let off there. You know, they got a young one, and Duffy can do it. They keep running backs by committee. So I just think for them, having Felix, the offense is going to be well. But is it going to be the same type of defense that gave up all those points they gave up last time we saw them versus North Carolina A&T? Or are they going to go back to being stingy in the trenches and not allowing you to run to hurt them and allowing their offense to really just wear you down and take over? As a former quarterback yourself, talk about Felix Harper and what you've seen. Of course, you've seen the, the previous quarterback, Noah Johnson, yeah. Lenore Footman, John Gibbs. How do you put Felix Harper 
in that in that category of brave quarterbacks? Oh man, uh, I'm cool. <laughs> you know what? Because he's kind of a quiet and unassuming guy, he may get overlooked by some of those bigger, more flamboyant names you mentioned. But uh, the, the wins are there. The you know the way he gave him there, and you know we like Noah Johnson, but uh, that that job was gone. <laughs> you weren't getting it back. You know, I thought Footman was really, 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 really good winner. I'm going to say I like Felix. He's got an opportunity to be the best out of that recent group you named because he makes decisions a little bit quicker than most of those guys. A lot of them were reactive guys. I think his arm's stronger than uh, than Johnson's was. I think he passes better than Footman. I don't know if he runs better than Footman. So he, he's right there in the mix. But at the end of the day, it's all about winning. And last time I checked, none of those guys won a celebration bowl, did they? <laughs> so if he if he gets that celebration bowl W and wins the swag, this is new swag. I think he puts himself at the top of that list. When you talk about Alcorn football these days, Steve McNair football. You got to talk about Steve McNair always. Sorry, well, well, let me cut you off. Uh, yeah, Steve McNair. <laughs> a- 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 absolutely, the cream, the cream of the cream of the cream of the crop. But when yeah. you talk about Alcorn football these days and what they've done. Is, is it safe to say that everything has been done but winning the Celebration Bowl in December? Absolutely. I mean, they, they've owned the SWAC. But how many years have they won? Four out of six SWAC championships they won past yeah. six years or something like that? I mean, that's dominant. That's dominant. The only one time they didn't win was when Grandma had that monster with uh, with Carter in the backfield and uh, the running back uh, so and the quarterback. So I think, you know, this run here has been a great job. Fred McNair, I've been saying that lately, one of the most underrated, underestimated coaches in FCS football, uh, one of the most underestimated in the SWAC and in black college. And he took over when Hobson left. Everybody said, there goes the program. No, sir. <laughs> He's he brought it to new heights. And they just got that one thing that's missing. And when they get that one, then you've got an opportunity to go down as the Marino Cassim of the modern era at Alcorn State. Why do you think Fred McNair is, is underrated? He's an unassuming guy. Uh, you know, he when you see him, he's got a big, big physique and everything. But, you know, he's, he's a gentleman. He's a big gentleman there. And, you know, when you come there, they kind of feel like he inherited a team that was already winning. It's really hard, you know, not to not to have a team fall off. And he, he got those coaches there to stay there with him, that believed in him. Let's not forget now when Fred took over, Willie Simmons had left his offensive coordinator to go to Prairie View. So he was down one there. How are you going to make up for it? And he always found a way, whether coaches were leaving, that went to Hobson, or if Simmons took some, he always was a steadying force behind that program. No excuses, and they kept on winning. We're talking with Jay Walker of ESPN as we get ready for the 2021 uh, football season. So, of course, now the Braves go to the West. So let, let's talk about the West a little bit. The West, is, the West is wild. It's always been wild. And will it get even crazier now that the Braves are over there? Oh, yeah. West is all about scoring points. And I, I think with, if they were smart, they would bring in that philosophy when, when Hobson first got to Alcorn, where, you know what, we're going to win championships with defense. So what I think Alcorn needs to do is tighten it up on defense. Keep that defense stout because Prairie View's going to score points. Southern's going to score points. Grandma's going to score points. Now you got Arkwell, Grandma, they, they got to figure out a way to score points. Pine Bluff, they're built on offense. So all these teams are offensive first. Uh, with Southern being the team that's the most volatile of them, but they want shootouts every week. Well, what do you do to a team that wants to have a shootout? You make it a phone booth physical game, make them win it between the trenches, and I think it starts with the defense. Whichever team has a defense that shows up, that's going to be the team that's going to come out of the West, surprisingly. <laughs> yeah, ab- absolutely. And, and, you know, you talked about my alma mater, Grambling. So 
you obviously did that Jackson State Grambling game over in Grambling, and you you look at what has happened in the offseason. Broderick Fobbs just blew up the entire offense, starting with the OC and going right up and down the line. But the defense was a problem. Were, were you surprised that the overhaul for Grambling in this offseason came from the offensive side of the ball? Uh, yes, no. You know, it, it was a crazy season as well. You know, I know that, you know, the Hickbottom had been the quarterback there. That he had had plenty of opportunities to establish himself as being one of those Grambling legend quarterbacks and never quite got the job done, not putting it all on that young man there. But, you know, when you play quarterback at Grambling, you got, you're supposed to win football games. You're supposed to score points. That's one of the most prestigious jobs in all of college football, being the starting quarterback at Grambling. And when, when he can never settle and win that job outright, I think that set the trend for the program. They had a whole lot of different things going on. Uh, defensively, I think when you, you know, not all transfers are good transfers. You know, I, I think uh, that might have been learned there. They had some guys came in really hyped up and let them down and didn't uh, didn't knew what it took to become a G-man. You know, they were wearing Grambling, but you know the difference with a G-man and somebody goes to Grambling. So yeah. football player, they got to be G-man. And I just think they didn't embrace that, and that's why we're seeing them. And we'll see, you know, I think if they're going to turn around quickly, it's going to be because of that G on the helmet. Because they start to believe and they buy in and they start realizing this is a school of Buck Buchanan, Eddie Robinson, Shaq Harris, Doug Williams, Willie, <laughs> uh, Willie Brown, Charlie Joyner. You know the list goes on and on. But you got to work for it. You got to work for it. And I and I missed I mentioned I forgot his name earlier. But what I like is Devonte Kincaid. He became a G man. Yeah. Once he started embracing that G, you saw what happened. Transfer from Ole Miss, but it was no more Ole Miss. It was all about the G. That's what they need in that type of leadership. And and Grambling Knights are are impatient, just like a lot of fan bases are. They should be. They should be. They should be. It's Grambling. It's Absolutely. And 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 some a lot of folks think it's it should have been time for a change at the helm there. I'm a Grambling Knight myself, although mm-hmm. I don't financially yeah. contribute like I should. I apologize to the Grambling Knights for this, but I think Broderick Fowles, in my opinion, and Charles Edmonds' opinion, he had an opportunity to fix it when the whole muscle milk and the protest thing when he took over. He fixed that and Grambling got on track. It's gotten off track now. Give him an opportunity to fix it. Give him an opportunity to get him back on track. What what are, you, what are your thoughts on that? Absolutely, 100%. Is it time for five-league Grambling? Heck no. Are y'all kidding me? I mean, they were – they were. You, you talked about how down that they were, the controversy. I mean, you know, he took over programming before he, t- before he got there. And, you know, people don't like what I say, but the, the national story was Grambling quit. They did not go to a football game, right? And they just talk about those facilities. No, no, everybody knows that they, they did not show up at Jackson State because there's a chance they were going to be 0-7. So they were looking at 0-7, and he turned them around and won the Celebration Bowl. And I think you said it right. He deserved every opportunity because, to me, I, I kind of laugh. So if the guy proved he could coach three or four years ago, now all of a sudden he forgot how to coach. <laughs> he was he went to two celebration bowls, you know, in the past five years. Don't tell me he's forgotten how to coach yet. No. Some things that happen at HBCU, sometimes the worst things you can do is win with nothing because then the university expects you to keep winning with nothing. And that formula does not work. Absolutely. And it'll be a – and Grambling opens up with Tennessee State in, in, in that uh, in that big game up there. And that, that'll that be a huge game with uh, Broderick Fobb going up against Eddie George. Yeah, Eddie George, the other story uh, coming to the HBCU football landscape. You know, we'll see how that plays out. We'll we'll have the game. We'll see them uh, 
when they play Jackson State in uh, Memphis. So that's going to be a big one. You know that for everything outside of football. But now, by this point, both these coaches should have some uh, some games underneath their belt, and uh, it should be a good one. And we'll see how the Eddie George scenario plays out in Tennessee State. He's going to realize that Tennessee State, tough job, tough job. Everybody in the conference kind of pulling against you. You got to you got to represent being the lone HBCU in that conference. So we're going to see what he can do. Why why is why is Tennessee State a tough job? I mean, because when you think about it, I mean, Nashville, you've got the facilities and you got the history. But when you've got I – mean, I had a coach tell me off the record years ago. He said, Jay, it's tough. Tennessee State gets to play uh, Jackson State. They can go play Grambling. They can play any other HBCU and get a check for $400,000. Now, all those of us in the OVC, you know, the Austin Peays, the Murray States, uh, Eastern Illinois, we got to go to Auburn. We got to go to – Illinois and play these money games and for $400,000 and games that we're not really supposed to win. So Tennessee State has the opportunity to play winnable games, but don't think the rest of the conference likes that. There could be a little bit of envy in there. So, uh, you know, that's my take on that. Yeah. We're talking with uh, Jay Walker, VSPN, as we move to the West to continue our conversation about the West. What about Coach Rollins and Southern University? Taking that job, I, I congratulated Roman Banks, the AD at Southern. I thought it was a job well done and kind of keeping it in-house. I, I thought, you know, going outside and, and bringing in a coach, I thought it would disrupt that roster. They have a championship roster. What, do you, what are your thoughts on uh, Coach Rollins? Well, first of all, you talk about uh, fans with high expectations. <laughs> they lead the crew. I mean, Dawson Oldham, he did everything but win a cup of swags every year and the Celebration Bowl. But, you know, the expectation level was there. Uh, I, you know, got to see how it plays out. I think, you know, I think I said on one of the games, and it was, it was ironic, one thing we've seen around Southern, and Charles, you know this, you've seen them just as long as I have, they don't appreciate a good thing until he's gone. <laughs> you know, like, they, they chased off Pete Richardson from there. They chased off Cass Taylor from there. They chased off, you know, they chased off coaches, and then they appreciate them when they're gone. And I think Odom's is going to be that guy that's going to appreciate. Now, if you're a Southern fan, you, you hope that uh, – the, uh, the new coach comes in there and he gets busy right away and has some success, but that's not a given, you know, high expectations down there in Baton Rouge. Speaking of uh, coach Odom, see, he winds up uh, on your side of the ledger, the MEAC and, and Norfolk state. Some folks are talking about that six year deal he got. And for me, that tells me that he's going to be given all the time in the world to build the program and where Norfolk state is in the MEAC pecking order. It's going to take time to build that. Am I, am I wrong on that assessment? Uh, Norfolk State's picked second in the MEAC, so uh, I think I think Oda's made a fantastic business decision. Mm-hmm. Go, uh, you go, you go to Norfolk. You have the security, and now you got a one in six chance at playing for a million dollars in the Celebration Bowl. One in six. One of them teams is gonna make it <laughs> to the Celebration Bowl. They renewed that contract, so if if Odoms can find a way to beat South Carolina State, knock them off, hold off Delaware State and uh, and, and Howard and Morgan. You're going to the Celebration Bowls of MEAC representative. That's a great business decision there. I like those odds right there. Uh, <laughs> and knowing how he can coach and do it. So, and if we go to that Celebration Bowl, we've seen from North Carolina A&T's tremendous growth playing in that game. You get you play in that game enough times on national TV, your enrollment starts to go up. You get more money for your program. So, I think the future's pretty bright. And Latrell Scott, the former coach, he left him a pretty loaded team. The yeah. best team Norfolk was going to have in a while. Yeah, it's just learning about that side, learning about the MEAC and the tradition and teams like Norfolk, uh, that it, it'll be interesting to see how, how Dawson Odoms does there. 
let's let's go back to the West. We've talked about uh, UAPB. Now let's talk about the teams that a lot of people aren't talking about: the Texas Southerns of the world, the Prairie Views of the world. Uh, are we are we selling them short? Is it going to take time? I know pressure on Dooley. Do you think there should be? Uh, I mean, Dooley going to score. I, I think everybody gets a pass with the you know spring season that we just had. I would think so. Give him a pass. However, you know what Dooley got to do. He's been doing the milestones. He just hasn't done it all in one year. You know, for a while he had to get over the Grambling hurdle, and then he finally got over the Grambling hurdle. Then he had to get over the Southern hurdle. When he did the Southern hurdle, he could be Grambling. He's got to put it all together. Uh, so I think, you know, it can happen. It can happen. You know, they need to find a trigger man that's going to do it. And uh, they lost some star power. People forget they lost a lot of star power. That kid, DeWanye Tucker, was fantastic to watch, along with Jalen Mord. Uh, so I think, you know, Prairie's going to be there. They're going to be there in uh, one big play here or there, and they, they could easily win that West Side division. Texas Southern, on the other hand, I, I'm going to say this. I saw a little fire in the eyes, not from the coach. The brand-new Baptist Health Hospital Doral is almost open. And we're looking to fill all positions. Kickstart your career at the newest, most state-of-the-art Baptist Health Hospital in Miami. We're hiring from ED techs to RNs, imaging to pharmacy, and everything in between. No matter what your career, this is an opportunity you don't want to miss. Let us make you an offer. Apply today at baptisthires.com slash Doral. That's baptisthires.com slash Doral. But from the players... I thought those players had that same type of attitude that Pine Bluff had about two or three years ago. Enough is enough. No more excuses. No more excuses. We're going to go out here and be competitive, and I think they may do that. They they can put some points up. They had some games where they put up some points, but it's a matter of can they put it all together, and I actually saw that. I saw that for the first time, so I feel comfortable. This is not going to be a team that's going to go winless or win one or two games. I, I can see them winning three or four games this year, which would be a step in the right direction. I was on a podcast the other day, and someone made a prediction there will not be a team in the SWAC that will have a goose egg in terms of wins. Everyone in the league will have at least one win. Do you agree with that? No. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but I, uh, you know what? Yes, I can with, see that. With all yes. the parity, somebody, everyone is going to have at least one conference hey, win. Hey, you know what's so funny? They even <laughs> they fighting for that bottom spot, Charles. <laughs> if I can think of two teams I can see having that goose egg, they're going to end up playing each other, so one of them's going to win. So. <laughs> parity at the top and the bottom. <laughs> all right, let's, uh, let's talk about the East. Of course, Alabama A&M. If you had told me three years ago, a, a, a Quill Glass would be doing what he's doing, and Alabama A&M and Coach Maynard doing what they're doing. I never would have believed you. Where did this come from? Did you see it coming over the last two or three years to where they are SWAC champs? This fast, no. Uh, however, am I surprised? No. Uh, keep in mind, you know, now that's the question mark. They they won when Alcorn didn't play. Would they beat Alcorn? Now, if you go back, when they played Alcorn, they had a great game. Uh, two seasons ago, right, and where we're, A&M thought they should have beat them. So I think, you know, they've been growing. You know, uh, Connor Maynard's done a fantastic job. It's a natural fit there. I mean, it's almost cheating. You take an offensive-minded quarterback, former MEAC Hall of Fame quarterback, and you give him a quarterback. You knew he was going to score some points. You, you knew that was going to be the case. So I'm not surprised, and I'm just glad that a guy like Aquil Glass gets to benefit having a coach like Coach Maynard, that offensive-minded staff there. Defensive, they got to tighten some things up. Eastman, the defensive coordinator, I think he's got to he's show that he can slow down some of these high-powered offenses in the SWAT. 
And on the defensive side, they lost some kids to the transfer portal too. So do you think that's an area, even more of an area of concern? It was that they lost Cushy to defensive end, right? Yes. Uh, that was a big one. Yes, Cushy. I mean, you know, he, he can. He, he's a player. He can go get it. But you know, they got the linebackers there, and they're they're more, it's more team oriented. You know, with the defense that that's not a you know that's not a team that's so relying on one player. Like you know, Southern's relying on Jordan Lewis to be outstanding every week, or else they kind of struggle a little bit. I think you know they've got the team aspect that they have the good freshman linebacker. I can't recall his name right now. Bubba, a uh, good freshman linebacker. He's going to be a playmaker, a mainstay in the middle. And they, they got some parts there. And, they, you know, they bring in a couple guys. I looked at that portal list. They brought in some pretty talented guys, too. All right, so Jackson State and Coach Coach Prime, Coach Deion Sanders, um, talked with him at, uh, at, at Media Day. And he, and he says he's just looking forward to really exploring and just taking in the pageantry of what the SWAC is all about. Uh, with the bands and and all that, but he's got a he's got a whopper of a game to to start at the first uh, game as a member of the SWAC conference for Florida A and M is Jackson State down in Miami, down in South Beach. He'll be there for that one. I, I in my opinion, Jay Walker, I think a lot of people are selling this game short. They're looking at it as a classic wrapped into a, a division game, and I'm looking at it as a division game first because, in my opinion, whoever loses that game will be behind the eight ball already. Am I wrong on that? No, they're both in the East. So they're in that division. And, you know, everybody's going to be looking at that at that game there. And it's it's one of those games where – let me first start off saying, you know, I share it publicly now. When I first met Coach Prime, first thing I told him was, I want to say thank you for sharing your star with HBCUs. First and foremost, didn't have to do it. And he is openly sharing his star power to help out all the universities. That doesn't mean they're going to give him the win. But I start off by thanking him for sharing his star with that. That being said, you know, like going to Miami, that's one thing. But see, he's got to realize, man, that's a tough trip when you get on that bus to go to Pine Bluff, when you go all the way over to, to, to Prairie View and play those teams. So there's some sexy games there, but he's going to learn. Yeah, he, be careful what you wish for. You want to check out the swag, you're going to see it because you struggled down the road. And, you know, your, your signature win was that win over Grambling, that Grambling. But then Grambling turned out to not be who we thought they would be. So I think he'll learn. He'll go through a full season swag. I think he'll get an appreciation for it. And I think he's realizing, you know, there's some guys that can play. And more importantly, his philosophy is he realized he needs some more guys that can play. I think he went in and overhauled the roster with over 35 kids left the program. That's a lot. So how quickly will he get them to jail together? under the biggest microscope in, in college football. And, and, my, and my thing is, and I'm one of those that just, I like to see coaches build programs, and we know it takes time. I mean, if, if you look at the day he started contractually, which was the first week in December, and I, I mentioned this to him in media day, he and his staff have been on the post eight months. Now, yes, they played a spring season, and yes, they got off to a great start. Yes, they fizzled down the stretch, but they've only been on the job eight months. And so is it still – too early to tell. I know it's been a lot of expectation, a lot of hype and build up for him coming to Jackson State. And with that, you know, the uh, the, the period goes away in which, you know, you can build a program. But, but Charles, he did not come in there and say, give me time to build a program. I, that's, he put the expectation on himself. He said, hey, I expect to win right away. And want to win and t- taste a little bit of success early. So now if if he's saying, hey, we got high expectations, then, you know, he wants that to be contagious. You know, he, he's called it for himself. None of us said, oh, Jackson State has to go out there and win right now. They're going to run him out of town. He, he's had that luxury of not having to have that type of pressure 
like other JSU coaches have in the past. So he's put it on himself. And I think, you know, the key with him is uh, I think he's got a little twinkle in his eye because I, I saw them practice. You know, I saw the guys that weren't eligible to play for him during the spring. And, and he's got some horses there, you know, starting off with, with his son, the quarterback. He can he can spin it. He can push it downfield. He can drive the ball. Uh, he's got the confidence there. So give me a quarterback and some wide receivers, and I think every coach thinks they have a chance to do some great things. And speaking of that, uh, Alabama State, they have a new athletic director, Allcorn's own Dr. Jason Cable, getting the gig there at Alabama State. Dr. Ely uh, had some big wins the last couple, what, last couple of years, beating Grambling at home and then, you know, obviously beating Jackson State. Can Alabama State take that next step? Damn. Alabama State can play with anybody, man. <laughs> you know, I, you know they, they, I mean, they can play with they can play with Southern. They can play with Alcorn. They can play with Alabama A&M. But you know what? They can also play with Texas Southern. They can also play with Mississippi Valley. They can play with the team that they're supposed to beat. They'll struggle sometimes. That's the one. They always have – they lose that game they're not supposed to lose. Where they're close and they lose and they just can't overcome it. And I think, you know, A&M has been a problem in that classic. You know, Connell Maynard has gotten that favor. He knows how big that classic is. Hill knows how big that classic is. So it's kind of tough when, you know, the number one team in your side of the division is also projected to be the number one team in the conference. So it's going to be a tough one. But, you know, they got a young quarterback who they were really high on, the freshman kid from last year. We'll see if he can keep that going. And I just want to see if Alabama State, the question is, can they put it all together? They're, they're, they're going to go out there and beat somebody. They always do, but then they always have that loss that really stings and they can't recover from. I said at media day that that front seven defensively for Bama State was a real deal. I saw that Jackson State-Bama State game, and they, they gave JSU problems. You think the defense, Bama State's defense, can carry them? Uh, I, see, you're asking to carry. I don't know if any defense in the SWAT can carry. Only one I thought that kind of had a – a nine was when Alcorn was rolling. Their defense was winning them championships. And I thought that Southern, you know, with their offensive line, they could carry them in, in that way. I, I don't I, – I think that side, you know, fam, you showing up, Phil Cookman showing up, uh, I don't think your defense is going to win championships for you in the SWAC this year. I think it's going to be points. It's going to be points on the board. This is a shootout. And fans are going to be excited about that. We love offense. And speaking of offense, Willie Simmons coming into the back into the SWAC. He was offensive coordinator at Alcorn, left to go to Prairie View, and now at FAMU in their first game as a member of the SWAC is against Jackson State. In my opinion, I think Willie Simmons knows SWAC defense as well, and he knows how to move the pieces around. Am I wrong on that? Oh, no, he, he knows. He's one of the best offensive minds we've got. But let me let you in on a little secret, and it's not going to be a secret anymore. Florida A&M could have the best wide receiver core in the SWAC, and I've seen those dudes at Alabama A&M. Saw those guys at Jack State they had last year. And Willie knows he's got some guys that can flat out do it offensively. You talk about some Florida speed, playing wide receiver. They got a, a version of the Rack Boys 2.0, they call it. That's the run-after-catch boys they had with Jaquay Nunley and Cannon Lamb and all those guys. These guys they got now, they call them Rack Boys 2.0. I think they're going to take the swack by storm. You heard it here first. Wow, interesting. Now, their quarterback situation has been kind of an area of discussion. Yep. Is, is, is that something you're concerned about? Yeah, they got to be concerned about. Yeah, they do. But it's also like when you when you play the position at a high level and you can coach the position, then you find quarterbacks. I mean, look, look at it. I mean, Fred McNair was a quarterback. His quarterback, Trigger Man, is going to be really good because McNair knows what to expect. Connell Maynard was a quarterback. These guys got to know what to expect. 
Willie Simmons that same cloth. He was a quarterback. So whoever is playing quarterback for him, he's going he's not going to put a guy out there that doesn't have an advantage over the competition. All right, so let's move to Bethune-Cookman. My first taste, I, I talk uh, I talk with Bethune-Cookman's coach, and I have to kind of re- revamp my prediction. I, I think sneak in a sneaky way, Bethune-Cookman, as a former our former baseball coach, as a FAMU grad, they said they call him Cookman. Over at Cookman. <laughs> <laughs> over at, I didn't know that. Over yes. at Cookman. Cookman is – don't sleep on Cookman. Why is that? One, because they've beaten Florida A&M for nine straight years. So anytime you got the ability to do that, that's dominating the rivalry. But, but when, when they're playing, they were when they were the the the, 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 the guys in the SWAT, I mean the MIAC, they would beat you up. They would literally beat you up. That was like probably one of the most physical football teams I had seen on an HBCU level. Now, they've been trying to get back to that for some years, and I think they're getting closer. I think Sims is starting to find his way and get closer there. So what Bethune's going to do is when they went it now, that's the one team. Let me go back on my words. If they're going to win the uh, SWAT, it's going to be because their defense carries them to a championship. It starts with the defense there. Sims is a defensive guy. Uh, the defensive coordinator, Yogi Jones, been there for a while. They need their defense to play. When their defense is playing, that's how they win championships or compete for championships. You talk about one game to circle late. Uh, uh, late in the season. Yeah, late in the season in November, Alcorn goes to Daytona. That's a game to follow. I think late in the season. You think? Hey, yeah. Hey, don't don't go to the beach if you're there. <laughs> focus, on the, focus on the football. Don't get distracted. That, that's going to be one. That's going to be a heavyweight contest. And in Mississippi Valley, uh, you did the Valley Jackson game. Uh, Valley was in the red zone four times, didn't score. That was their first game. Jackson had some games on some time under their belt. Uh, what what what's the underrated part about Valley as 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 you look at uh, what what they have coming up this season? Vincent Dance, uh, I, I I I I am a believer in him. He 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 doesn't complain about what he's got. He just coaches him. And everybody's known in that conference for a while that Valley was going to be a tough out. Now they don't have the wins to show the effort that they're putting into it. But when you play Valley, you're going to leave that game knowing that they fought hard. They're going to give it to you. They're, they're physical. They're trying to get a little bit better. They got uh, the kid, Jerry Gardner, one of the best defensive linemen in the country, NFL prospect, finds his coach's personality. That's why I think Valley is so tough. They just Once they start learning how to win, then the question, they, they, they have the potential to do it over and over again and, and be one of those sleeper teams. Don't let that, that, that goose egg you see on their record, uh, you know, three out of the last four years. No, no, no. This is the most improved team that you've seen out there. They, what, they lost to Jackson State double overtime two years ago. Right. This year in the spring had an opportunity to give it to them. So once they start learning how to win, they, they could do some things down there. And I think it all starts with their head man. I'm a fan. What's the what's the one one or two games that you think – I mean, every game is going to be a dogfight. The commissioner said it. I think we all know that. But what's what are some of the games that you're really eyeing that could be swing games that could, that could really set up the way these divisions could, could line up? Ooh. See – the game I'm most interested in it's not a you know it's not a divisional game but I mean I got to see all corner A and M, that's that's Muhammad Ali fighting Joe Frazier right yeah you know, Ali can I lose my title without me being whooped that's what all corners got to be thinking whereas A and M's like we got the title now we're gonna prove to you that we deserve to keep it so I think that game there is gonna be a good one and I think uh and let's go back I'll go back to your Braves when they play Jackson State I think Coach Prime's got to realize what that rivalry is all about. Uh, there's a reason Coach Prime got that job. 
is because Alcorn had been beating the brakes off of Jackson State for quite a while. And when you lose that many times to Alcorn, coaches tend to get fired. So <laughs> that's why they made the change. So I don't think uh, Fred McNair is going to change it up at all either. Uh, that that is a good one. And then you know, uh, on the on the East Side Division, uh, FAMU Bethune Cookman. I mean, FAMU's got they they got to win that game. They, they got to win that game. I mean, you know, they've had too much riding on it the past three years in Bethune. All during the season, and the Rattler fans get mad at me, but I just tell the truth. <laughs> Bethune, does, Bethune doesn't care what Florida a does all during the year. They can say, when we see you in Orlando, last game of the year, you know what we expect to do, and they've done it. They've yeah. cost them a celebration bowl. They've cost them bragging rights. I remember when Coach Simmons was like, hey, the number seven means completion. That cycle's over. Well, nope. <laughs> they got the eight. They got the nine. So he, he wants that one in Bethune. That's what they're holding on for. And whoever wins that one, they could, you know, if A&M slips up, they could be in a position to win the SWAC East. I think A&M, uh, Alabama A&M, FAMU, I think that that's going to be a heck of a game. That, that's going to be a track yeah. meet. That that would be the shootout. Yes, that's the obvious one. Now, you give the obvious. I'm telling you the ones you got to look. I'm giving you the underlines. So. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. And we definitely appreciate that. Before I let you go, the MEAC. Obviously, Dr. Uh, Dr. Thomas retired. Um, we've had some teams. Former all, form all corn great. Former all corn great, correct. And what? just as a MEAC guy, you, you played your, your ball at Howard. You, you follow the MEAC. How do you – some people say it's time for the MEAC just to fold into the SWAC. Some people have said that. Some people believe it's time for the MEAC to go away. Some people have said that. What are your thoughts on where the MEAC is now, where it needs to go from here? Uh, does it need to go away? No, that's not good for black college football if the MEAC goes away. Start off by saying that, period. That is not good. You need balance. I mean, why, do, why does everybody – the playoffs, why do you get so much hype for the college football playoff? Because the SEC tells you how good they are. Well, they got to go prove it every year. And then you got schools like Clemson, Ohio State, to prove that now nah, the winner of the SEC is not the best team in the country every year. So I think the SWAC has had a great offseason. They recruited some fantastic programs there. MEAC has lost some great programs. But I think, you know, it's it's college football. We see, you know, Big 12. You know, look what's happening to Big 12 now. So it's like the same things make you laugh, make you cry. There's a changing, there's a changing ocean that goes ebbs and flows in college football. And I think the MEAC just got hit earlier. But there's a couple other conferences, too, that are doing it. I think that they will. It's such an attractive conference for the academic prestige that they bring in there, the location with the media markets that you have. I think the, the MEAC will be fine. What what teams do you see? I mean, I don't know if you could you could say it or not, but what teams do you see the MEAC that could be attractive to 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 uh, join the MEAC? No comment, but I got a couple in my mind, but I'm not going to comment okay. publicly on that, Charles. <laughs> I, I I got you, and and, and it is um uh, for me. I mean, I'm I'm a historical guy, and it just just to see what's happened to the MEAC with North Carolina and T and Hampton, it is kind of disappointing, especially. Alcorn dealing with A&T and the Celebration Bowl. That's just a great program. But, you know, times change and things do change. And, and, and let's hope the MEAC gets gets back to where they need to be. And let's think about this. While they were in the MEAC conference, the, uh, while they were in the MEAC, North Carolina A&T became the largest HBCU in the country. Uh, that wasn't by, by, by accident. You know, I remember when A&T was down and out, enrollment of about 8,000 students. Now they've got almost 15,000 and. The Celebration Bowl played a part in it. Rob Broadway played a big part in it. Sam Washington. So, and now, you know, you've got a, a world-class track team that was built in the MEAC for A&T. They're top five nationwide in, in track. They won two gold medals today. So, it's one of those things where they, they've got a footprint for success. 
fam, you became very attractive to the SWAC because they had that success in the MIAC. So that's where I think, you know, it happens. I just think the two conferences is better than having one super conference. Having college game day be there, you know, so just, just talk about that and, and what that means for the enormity of the game. The, the more the merrier. You know, I think it's overdue coverage that, that we've been asking for for a while. You know, I, I still always say game day is missing it if they never go visit the Magic City Classic, you know, and games like that. So this is an opportunity for them to come down and see what we do, shine the light on us. And I, I just think it's overdue, and I'm looking forward to being a part of it. Finally, finally, your thoughts on that North Carolina Central Alcorn game, week zero. Alcorn has got to come in there and show that they, they are who they were when they left last time we saw them play. Uh, North Carolina Central needs to – Trey Oliver, uh, you know, his transition wasn't that smooth going over there. He's got to win over uh, those Dermites, I call them, up in Durham, North Carolina with the Eagles. Proud program. And don't be surprised if you see a lot of Central fans down there in Atlanta. They had a good show when they are in the Celebration Bowl, and I think they'll go down there deep, try to carry that team. But I think it would be an upset if uh, if they knocked off Alcorn. Should be fun. Week zero on the 28th. College football's underway. Jay Walker, we appreciate it. Thank you very much. That's what's up. Talk to you soon, bud. Gym sessions and sweaty summer activities are back, which means more funky smells in your clothes because sweat leaves behind bacteria that causes those hard-to-remove odors. Clorox Fabric Sanitizer products are ready to zap the stink out of fabrics in your home by getting rid of 99.9% of odor-causing bacteria. Eliminate odors in every load or sanitize fabrics between washes with one of our Fabric Sanitizer products. Search Fabric Sanitizer at Clorox.com to learn more. When it counts, trust Clorox. Use as directed. Gym sessions and sweaty summer activities are back, which means more funky smells in your clothes because sweat leaves behind bacteria that causes those hard-to-remove odors. Clorox Fabric Sanitizer products are ready to zap the stink out of fabrics in your home by getting rid of 99.9% of odor-causing bacteria. Eliminate odors in every load or sanitize fabrics between washes with one of our Fabric Sanitizer products. Search Fabric Sanitizer at Clorox.com to learn more. When it counts, trust Clorox. Use as directed.